0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. It's me, the host, Ray Benjamin. I have some news. The podcast will now be updated every other week, every other Sunday, instead of every Sunday. Um, I did this basically because I'm a busy person. <laughs> uh, if you don't know, I'm a graphic designer in addition to running this podcast, in addition to being a screenwriter, and I've just been blessed and had so many opportunities um, in other fields that I, I currently have like five jobs right now, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's hard for me to... Uh, do the podcast every week on top of my full-time job and my other you know side jobs but I love this podcast and I'm so grateful to um all the fans that I have I'm literally still shocked every day that people listen to this <laughs> that I do have fans but people you know have been uh, requesting the pins people dm me instagram saying they love the show people email me so thank you so much to everyone who does that i really appreciate it and i really try to reply to everyone who reaches out to me because uh, like i I, i'm shook every day that people like this show really (laughs) And thank you um please keep spreading the word and subscribe rate and review because that's how the show is able to grow and able to be um you know, boosted up in algorithms and whatnot it's by the number of people who subscribe to the show and rate the show so if you love it please take like five seconds out of your time and subscribe rate and review and tell your friends to do the same So yeah, we will be on every other Sunday from now into the foreseeable future if things settle down and I can go from having having like seven jobs to like maybe two or three, um, I can bump it back up to doing it weekly, but for now every other week and thank you to all the listeners of the show, let's get it started. Hello listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today I have a special guest, a great person, great human, Kendra Jordan. She's a writer and just like a motivational speaker and (laughs) really great and I I want her to start her own podcast. So if you guys listen to this and you like what Kendra is saying, please leave a comment and motivate her so she can just drop knowledge on the regular for all you people. So thanks, Kendra. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk to you because, you know, my podcast, I basically tackle a different issue every week and have a guest On to discuss that issue. But what I find is I wanted to have you on the show to talk about just starting over and making excuses and not following your dreams and how we can get rid of that. Because um, I think you're a person who, you know, you used to be a teacher and now you're a screenwriter, and that's a big transition. And a lot of people that I know that listen to the show or reach out to me, you know, they, they ask questions like, oh, I want to do this, but, you know, I don't have any training or I don't have this. And people are always or I'm too old or I live here. Like, you know, people are always making excuses. So how did you, I guess, motivate yourself to make such a drastic change from being a teacher to being a screenwriter?
1: Um, my story is a little, um, different in many ways. Um, I will say this too. I'm also a mother of a 17 year old. A lot of people don't know that they'll look at me and be like, you're such a big kid. Like, I can't believe, like, you have a child. It's like a 17 year old. Like, it's crazy. But yeah, I had my daughter when I was 22. Um, I actually graduated in that May of 2001. And the next month I gave birth to a daughter. And that was one of the hardest things because I went from graduating to being a mother. And if anyone knows what that transition is like, it's very, very, very challenging. Um, I, don't, I didn't realize the, how, how much it entailed or how much it required of me until now looking back. And seeing how a bit of my life was kind of arrested, if that makes any sense. Like I had a bit of arrested development because I went from only caring about myself to caring about another person. And everything that I wanted to do had to be put on hold. So I know exactly what it feels like. When you have dreams and aspirations, and then life happens, and you end up in a situation where things may not you know pan out the way that you intended, or you maybe didn't even prepare well, you know you you didn't really set your intentions like you should have. you were just kind of like, yeah, because that's kind of what I was in 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 all honesty, looking back, I kind of was a little like not really sure of what I really wanted to be happy. I knew I liked doing certain things. But you know, for me, writing was something that I've been doing since I was like ten years old. And I used to write stories by hand, like back in the day when we had like word processors and typewriters. I would literally like write, you know, in a book, like a a loose on loose leaf paper, and then I would write it, you know, on the on the typewriter and. I would take it to school the next day and my friends would read it and say, oh my God, these stories are so good because I just wanted to be Judy Blume so bad back in the day. (laughs) Like I was like, I just love her so much and I just want to be the black Judy Blume. So that's, you know, but it was just joy. You know, it was a time where there wasn't any social media or any of that type of influence. You just did stuff because you just love to do it, you know, and that's the thing that I think now is what, It really um, holds people back from putting forth their best effort because social media has a way of filtering things to a perfect, you know, visual, you know, portrait and you don't see any flaws. And so you believe that when a person posts something, that's the first, you know, that's exactly how they, they created it. You know, the first, the first time they did it when that's not true, you know, like it takes. Some people, you know, will take a picture and doctor it. Sometimes they've taken dozens of pictures first before they choose the one that they're happy with. Some pictures are Photoshopped. You know, we don't always share the grind and the dirt and the, you know, the time that we had to put in the work, the sweat, the times we cried, the times we second-guessed ourselves. And so we don't see that. And we assume that, oh, is it supposed to like come out of me completely perfect? And that's what a lot of times I think, will hinder people, hinder people from really putting forth their best effort. And so for me, um, what ended up happening for me was I got to a point where I was trying to, to basically live life the way life was being demonstrated in front of me, according to what my parents said, my community, my family, you know, the neighborhood, the society. I was trying to get that job that paid the bills. And I did. I was a teacher for 13 years. I taught middle and high school, and I was happy with the students. I loved them so much, but I was so, so, so depressed and really wasn't living life the way that I wanted to live it. And I didn't even really know what that was because I had put me on the back burner for so long that I was even a stranger to myself, that I didn't know me. I knew other people very well, you know, but... I didn't really know me anymore. And that's something that I really missed the relationship with myself that I had when I was a kid and I loved and I trusted myself to just be who I was. And that kind of got pushed to the side. And eventually I just got to a point where I was like, I can't take this anymore. Like something has to change. And it did. And it came for me through being sick. Like I Mm -hmm. literally got sick one year and it was like, okay, God, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know what to do next or how that's going to happen. So whatever you got to do, do it. And I guess I wasn't very clear about the whatever, <laughs> so it ended up being like, okay, then I'm going to get you sick. And that's, but you know, honestly, I think if it hadn't have been that, I would have still been there. You know, if it hadn't been something that I could easily get over and keep it and I would have came right back to it. Because while I didn't like it, it was very familiar. And if you know, how it works most of the time. What we don't like sometimes is very comfortable and we may not like it, but we do know how to operate and function and dysfunction a lot of times. And I didn't like it, but I knew how to, I knew how to be a teacher. I knew how to do X, Y, and Z. And after I got out of that, I promised myself I would never, ever again devote myself to something so hard, like go so hard for something that I knew I didn't love. I wouldn't do that anymore. You know, like you don't see LeBron going hard for playing soccer. Like that's not his stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's like, no, this is my lane. I'm going to stay right over here. I'm not the best when it, He might be a good athlete overall, but he knows what he's good at. And I promised myself after that whole like 13 years of just constantly doing things. And because what, what happened for me, because I'm a creature of habit, I'll keep doing it and hate it, and we'll keep doing it, and be complaining about it, and keep doing it, and it will be miserable to be around that. So that was what, for me, what happened. I got sick, and that initially put me on this path to where I now, you know, am writing, and I love it, and, you know, being a part, being a part of, you know, just this family of writers and just learning so much. But I'ma tell you, it first started with me saying that I was ready for a change. And that change, I, was, I wasn't i was specific about how it had to go down. I just said, hey, I'm ready. And that's when things started to change. And I just started saying yes to everything. So wow. that's how it happened. That,
0: that's <laughs> that, I know that you mentioned intentions, and that's something I'm really big on. But I'll admit mm-hmm. that I didn't really fully understand what that actually meant, I will say, until probably this year because you know I'd read mm-hmm. all the books I'd heard about it but I it's one thing to read things on an intellectual level and then it's another thing to actually put it into practice and to actually understand yeah. like oh this is real because I mm-hmm. I feel like that I was going through the same things but at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. I set an intention for um mm-hmm to go on my path as a writer and to be just creatively express myself. Cause we're similar in the mm-hmm. fact like we're both writers, but we also like to design like you're an illustrator. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. for me, I just call it creative expression. Like it might be writing, mm-hmm. it might be a drawing, it might be this, but for me, I have, I have to, you know, live at my full potential and then once I realized that, and then once I said that, I feel like opportunities just line themselves up, like, very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very, yeah. very easy. I feel like we we make it, the hardest part is sort of just figuring out what you want and having the courage to say that's what you want. Because once you yeah. do that, I feel like things sort of just set themselves up and, And you're able to achieve what you want, but if you don't, if you are unclear, if you don't really know what your purpose is, it's hard to succeed.
1: Right. And believing you deserve it is a big thing, too, because, you know, I think a lot of times many of us come from backgrounds where people put others before themselves, you know? Quite naturally, I'm a black woman. I'm a black mother, you know? And historically, we are notorious for that. Like, put everyone else ahead of me. I'm not important. But sometimes I think you become, um, you may not even express it truly, but you have a bit of disappointment in the fact that everyone else is soaring and everyone else is going after theirs and everyone else is, you know, harvesting while you feel like there's no evidence. Because you've been the backbone, you've been the support, you're wearing the cape and you're damn near choking yourself with that cape around your neck because you are tired, you know, you're overextending yourself. And that's when we get into high blood pressure and a lot of health problems. And that for me had been the situation where I was doing so much that I was beginning to neglect myself, you know, not even eating. I was eating poorly, still dealing with the, you know, the, um, consequences of that because I gained a lot of weight because I went into a deep depression, a deep, dark depression. And it took me a long time to kind of get a handle on the fact that while I do have all these different experiences, I am the common denominator. And so essentially, it's not really the people or the situations. It's me. I'm the one that's steering the ship in the direction that it's going. And if I keep bumping into the same thing that is something wrong with me and my vision and my perception and so I had to ask God to give me new eyes to see like I even asked him to allow me allow I said God allow me to see me the way you see me because I don't even see myself in the proper lens you know I'm not even looking at myself like I deserve it. I'm going to get it and now have imposter syndrome, you know, like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not qualified. You know, as soon as he gives you a blessing or gift or something happens, you're already talking yourself out of it because you're so used to, no, it's for someone else, you know, no, 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 give it to that person. They're the ones that are deserving. But what about, you know, you and your dreams and me having a daughter, she's watching me, you know what I'm saying? So she's looking at how I deal with things and, you know, does my mother, does she put herself and not putting yourself in a in a in the first you know, place in a narcissistic way? Because that's a real problem nowadays. People are doing things to purely satisfy their ego. Um, and that can be very dangerous. But truly, what I do is even not even about me. It's about my ministry. And I believe that writing is essentially just like being in a pulpit. It's just you're being able to preach to a greater audience. And the platform is really television or, or, the, or the big screen. And you get to teach messages. Like I've watched movies and we all have watched movies and TV shows and we're crying, you know, or we're mad or we have, we're happy. You know, it gives you all these visceral emotions that makes you start to even think about things differently. And that's a powerful, powerful job to have. Like to be able to write something that can change people's perceptions about many issues and topics, or even give life to certain issues and topics that some people don't even know anything about, you know? And so that was something that I said, you know, I love my students. I still call on my kids to this day. They're still connected to me. They still check on me. I check on them. But I believe that I deserve to tell a greater story that can reach an even broader audience, because that's, It's not about me, because if it was about me, then that would be all about what I'm doing for myself. And I would be talking about all the funky, fresh clothes that I'm wearing, you know, and the (laughs) trips that I'm on and all of that. And while those are great things, that's just the fruit of what I do. You know, that's just the things that I'm, you know, allowing myself to produce. But what I'm rooted in essentially is about writing something that can Really, truly make people think and love and have hope again, because a lot of that is starving from our world right now is watching something and having hope again, you know. And so but again, this new perspective that I have and the things that I believe and know to be true really came by me being broken completely down and having to be rebuilt again. You know, like Ayana says on "Fix My Life," how oh, to yes. start over. <laughs> no. You know, and start over from the very beginning. And I, essentially, that's what I had to do. I'm having my coming of age. You know, and in in, in in TV writing and in tele- in movie writing, you have those genres, and coming of age is one of them. But most of the time, we only we only target that to like your teenage or like your early, you know, young adults. But I do believe there is a coming of age now that many people in their thirties. You know, 40s are experiencing, where we're re-examining life in a new and profound way. Like, wait a minute. Like, I did these things. I had that job. It's not working out. Who am I? You know, much of who we are has a lot to do with the role that our parents played in our lives. And I realized with my parents, especially because they come from a generation that was so starved and deprived of opportunity when they raised us. They almost treated us like we were puppets. And it was like, do this, do that, do this, retire, and you'll be happy. That may have worked for them, but we live in a different time now where there's so much abundance. And truly, people are more, they're more focused on doing things that have purpose, where they'll never want to even stop doing what they do. I don't want to retire. You know, I want to do this until the day God says it's enough. And you're, and you're done. And I want my work to live on so that I don't even die. That's why Bernie Mac ain't dead to me and Maya Angelou ain't either because I still watch the Bernie Mac show. I still read Maya Angelou because their work lives on. And that's how we have to come to our work and what we do. Like, this is going to outlive you. That's how important it is that you show up 100% and that you put all into it because either you're going to do it. You know, I say all the time, God is a creator. You know, whatever he wants done on this earth will be done with or without you. So all the time we're thinking about things that we've seen or ideas that we've had and we didn't fall through with it. And then we see it later on and we're like, wait a minute, I had that same idea. And that's because God is a respective person. Either you're going to do it and you can get the credit or someone else will do it and they'll get the credit. You know, so we just have to be, I always say, be obedient. Obedience does not equal perfection. It doesn't. Cause sometimes what will happen is God will give you something and he'll perfect you through it. And that's a way for him to show you like, okay, you may not know exactly what an act structure is, but I'm just going to give you a story, you know, and I want you to tell this story about this person and that person. And I want these virtues to be in this story and people experience it and they'll, and every human will be able to relate to it. And that's essentially what in your game and the, and the perfecting you through it will come through the notes that you get from people in your writers groups or from the network or from the studios. He was like, I'm going to give you help people to help you to get it in the shape that it needs to be when you present it to the world. But I just want you to be obedient and say yes to, okay, I'm going to write this. I'm going to do this. When and it can be different things. It doesn't have to be, you know, I'm thinking writing because that's the world that we live in, you and I, Ray. But many others, it may be all kinds of different things. It could be a business that you want to go into. You know, it could be going back to school. It can be a variety of things. But I just believe that it's so important. We now live in a world today where there's so much opportunity. And learning is even more accessible. Like YouTube University, I mean, can we say how much that that, no, for real? that whole enterprise is like? Thank God for YouTube because I mean I have learned everything on just about on oh, YouTube. Oh, for real! I told people
0: I said this years ago. I'm like, YouTube is the new library. Like for yes. me, <laughs> like I wanted to make clothes. Like like I said, I just like to creatively expressed myself. I said, you know, I want to make my own clothes. I don't know how to make a pattern. I don't know how to do this. I went on YouTube and like (laughs) taught myself and made my own clothes. And and that's why I feel like we live in such a beautiful time where if you have access to a computer in the internet, which the majority of the people in the world do now, that you can teach yourself so much, and because there's this sort of gatekeeper system of knowledge is falling yeah. away, where anyone can mm-hmm. access resources and you can share your knowledge with other people and it it's it's so beautiful to see that people can just create their own stuff, you don't need someone to give you permission, and I feel like that's a lot of a lot what I hear from other you know, writers or creators are like, well, I need, you know, I can't break in because I pitched to, you know, five people and they didn't like it. Like, A, that was five people. You might have to pitch to a thousand people before someone likes it. And then B, Mm -hmm. I always tell people, you can create stuff on your own. Like, as long as you're getting something out there, like it doesn't have to be high Mm -hmm. budget. It doesn't have to be some blockbuster you have a sci-fi script or some sort of fantasy script where you think oh I need the special effects or whatever you can turn it into a scripted podcast and use voice actors and sound effects yes you'll get people to be drawn into your story so I think we're living Mm -hmm. in like a really exciting time where there's new media emerging and if you're a creative person like you'll find a way to make it work I really believe that
1: Yeah. And I do believe because we're kind of um, because the gatekeeper whole entity is kind of being compromised. I do also believe this is the time for you to truly go full throttle, because once you remove the gatekeeper, now everyone and while that sounds great in theory. As a person who is, it, it makes a greater competition to be heard, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like if everyone is rushing for the same thing, now I have to, now there's no one there to filter anything, you know, no one there to kind of say, hold up, you got to have this in order first. Now there's, there's none of that. And now you have a greater supply to sift through, to find that, you know, the golden ticket to find that one, that golden thing, like, oh, yes, this is it. You know, it's it's just harder. And so you got to come hard. You got to right now, this is the time, like, to be the first, to be the first to come through because we are in a renaissance. But it's right now is the time to hurry your ass. (laughs) Whatever it is that you're doing, it's like you you better put everything you got into it because at some point, you know, I always say, if it's fertile ground, everyone wants to grow there. You know, wherever there's fertile ground, everybody's going to want to try to get a plot there and, and plant whatever they got because they know it's going to grow. And then you create a wildlife. Because if it's not, if no one's there to survey and, and to manage the ground and all of that, then all kinds of stuff can come in and, and infiltrate snakes and, you know, moles. I'm from the country. We used to have moles <laughs> Take up your girl and you'd be so mad my father used to be so mad he'd be like oh my god just planted this stuff and they came in and took it and that's because your ground is fertile so you have to be you have to pay more attention now than any, than ever before on where are you planting your seed where are you putting your stuff okay is this good ground okay and you gotta watch it and you gotta make sure that people take care of it because again there's so much abundance You know, I remember somebody recently had posted about you could submit to this particular, you know, production company. I won't say, but one person came back and said, hold on, read the fine print. (laughs) They were like, but before you do, make sure you read the fine print. Because a lot of times when people don't, like, we have all this abundance. We have now. Everyone can come through. But if you don't know, a lot of times people can play off of your ignorances. Oh, and they can take advantage of you because you do not know what you should know because there are people who have paid the price and have been in the industry long and they know like, oh, yeah, you you should have this, this and this. But if you're opening a gate for me and I'm from somewhere I ain't never heard of a town and I just got an idea because I just have an idea and I'm so green, I'll just give it to you for pennies. You know, how many times have we seen that happen before where people didn't know their worth and just sold it to the first person and now they've made, they've tripled the the value of that company or whatever it was. And that's why I just think right now is the time to go hard, but also do your homework. Do not be ignorant to any of it. It sounds good. It feels good. I think it's something like what a lot of people have felt in the music industry you know, they would have those really bad deals. I forgot what they called them, but they would just, or even in, in in the sports industry, the same thing. They'll give you these deals. You don't really know. You don't really have a lot of financial literacy and they'll take advantage of that. So I just think it's important that as much as you have the talent, also, you know, find, find a friend that, that has that background, that they understand this stuff and they can give you a little advice or just ask the person, you know, I'm doing this and this. What do you think? Like, do you think I should pursue it or just ask questions? Just don't be so like, eager to just go in and you know, then eventually you could end up one day kind of regretting it like, dang, I should have really did my homework before I just gave it all away. You know,
0: That's really true. And I think ownership of resources yes. is really important. Woo. I was just listening to uh, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. He had Tyler Perry on there. And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) you know, I feel like Tyler Perry, you know, gets a lot of shit. A lot of people don't like Medea. You know, I really don't Mm -hmm. like it. But listening to this man speak, I'm like, this man is extremely smart and a genius. Because he was talking about how, you know, people right now are saying, oh, you know, Hollywood's all about diversity and it's a great chance to get in. And he was saying, it doesn't matter who's in front of the re- the screen. There might be more, like, non-white faces in front of the screen. Who owns the resources? That's what really matters. Come he on. has his own... Amen. He is the first Black person to have their own, you know studio not a production company like an actual studio and now his studio yeah. the acreage is actually bigger than warner brothers he was saying
1: yeah and how
0: yeah. He, that was his plan from the get-go so he said that he he made they were uh trevor noah asked him like oh d- when you made Medea did you think it would be worth all this millions and like how do you balance the your artistry with your business and he was like to be honest mm. like I came at it with with a business mindset to begin with I wasn't thinking about artistry I was thinking about how I can get money and how I can set this yeah up to the position I'm in now so he made all this money from Medea that was his goal so that he could be able to finance his own studio and he's like now mm-hmm. that I've done that like I can make um he like he talked about making acrimonies like now I can do things that are more artistic and I can be expressive, but I had to make enough money to get to a point where I could do that. And now, you know, his Movie studio in Atlanta employs so many Black people. Mm -hmm. You know they they shot scenes from Black Panther there and a bunch of other Mm -hmm. movies. And like I didn't know all that, (laughs) so I I gained Mm -hmm. a lot of respect from him from listening to that interview. I'm like, wow, okay, I I Mm -hmm. see. I see that's the goal, and I feel like that should be if you're a creative in the entertainment industry. I think that should be everyone's goal because like he said, unless you own what you're producing, you know, you're still not fully reaping the benefits of what, of your work. So. Amen. That's can so true. We yes. do need ownership.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> that is the truth. I just think it's a matter of you doing what you do well. I mean, doing it at top quality, doing it at a, a level that, you know, it's like I'm, I always come to the paper like I'm LeBron. Like if I'm LeBron and I'm getting on the court, like how am I coming to the court, you know, it, or practice for that matter. Even in the off season, he's still practicing. So, you know, how am I coming to? It? And I think the more you do things with excellence, the people who are great, I don't think they ever thought about it like we, like we teach it. You know, there are brands, they did this, you know, like they don't even think about their stuff. Like they're just really doing what they do with such excellence. You know, and and like he said, he was just he, he can say like, yeah, you know, like I was focused on it this way or that way. But I'm truly sure doing Medea was really more so about honoring his mother and the women in his family and the love that he had for them based on his upbringing. That's essentially like the, the bones of it all, you know, and that has been the driving force and the catalyst for him to do it with such a, a mindset now that it has harvested him so much, you know? And that's what I think we all need to realize because I totally agree with him. Like, we're essentially just workers. That's what the capitalism, you know, America is a capitalist society, economy. It needs to have workers. And the 5% are the ones who get the big dollars from it, you know? Mm -hmm. And fortunately, Tyler Perry is one of very few when it comes to Blacks. But we need to look at him and see that as a model that we all could kind of look at and emulate and say, hey, I want to do the same thing for people in this part of the world or, you know, for other women or other whomever, minorities, whatever your your platform or your calling, you know, that you feel assigned to. But I totally agree with that. Like we need to, we've been in this very industrial age worker mentality and it's it's made us more so frustrated because we see the technology scape and how that's creating all this opportunity, but we really only have like worker skills, if that makes sense. Like creativity and innovation is not being taught in schools, basically what I'm saying, because I was a teacher. They don't teach innovation and creativity. They want you to be just like this and everyone has to pursue the same goal everyone needs to get the same score. It's a still industrial model that they're still, you know, going from one school to the next. But creativity, innovation is where you'll start to see entrepreneurship rise and people will start pursuing things that were typically unorthodox. And like, wait a minute, like, that's a job? Like, I look at my daughter who's 17 and she's like, yeah, I am I got a YouTube channel and I just want to be a filmmaker. And I'm like, me at 17 would not even think it like that. Like, I'm thinking like, I got to go to college so I can get the hell out of where I'm from because I cannot stand being here. And I'm just like, I'm going to go to college, get a job, and then I'm going to retire. That's what I was thinking. A lot of people were. But my daughter is already thinking on this autonomous, like what Tyler Perry said. She's already thinking like, this is going to be mine. And this is what I'm going to create for the world. And I'm like, wow, like i never, you know, thought like this. No, I think a lot of the kids
0: think that way. And I feel like the whole society as a whole is going to have to shift because kids do that way. And how are you going to have jobs if you have an entire generation of kids saying, I don't want to do things in this traditional way? (laughs) Like, I honestly, I, I have conversations about this all the time because I don't know like you were mentioning capitalism and I feel like our whole sort of culture is emphasized towards productivity like how your Mm -hmm. self-worth as a person is determined by how productive you can be in like an industrialized sort of productivity mindset like I work Mm -hmm. many hours a day therefore I am a good person or <laughs> like that's how people measure yeah. self-worth. And I Absolutely. think that's why we have in this country, just especially in Los Angeles where there's a huge homeless problem and you hear such like the disdain and hatred people talk about other human beings that don't have a home mm-hmm. because like, Oh, well, they just get a job, get a job. Like as if, if you don't have a job, you have no value as a human being. Like that that is basically what our culture has taught us. And I think that's also why, you know, we don't have I feel like our culture doesn't respect disabled people very much, people Mm -hmm. that, you know, don't have traditional, you know, worker can't fit into a traditional worker. The elderly, like the way our culture treats it uh, treats the elderly it could be vastly improved on and i think mm-hmm. at the heart of it it's because like if you are not a traditional worker you have no value in our society but i think that the nature of work will is going to change it, it's already changed like just with like artificial intelligence and so I know a lot of people are scared. I see on the news, people are like, well, AI is going to take all our jobs and no one will have jobs. But for me, I feel like, so what? Like, I, I I don't think that humans were created by God to just like sit in an office eight hours a day. So if technology no. can, mm-hmm. can, you know, make some of these mundane tasks automa- automated and then imagine if, So many tasks are automated that people actually have a choice in life and that they can do whatever they want to do and have time to pursue their actual interests Mm -hmm. instead of being forced to be at a job for eight hours that they hate. So I'm not yeah. that. I'm like, bring it on robots. Let's let's get it
1: done. (laughs) (laughs) Until you interview on a robot. (laughs) Like, oh my God. I do not care.
0: Oh, but oh, also I want to ask you another question. I know you mentioned you talked about obedience to God, and you know I, I. I I I really like Marianne Williamson. I don't know if you.
1: Me too. Yeah, I yes. Love her.
0: And so I was watching one of her lectures on YouTube, and she was talking about you know obviously the book The Secret and all of these vision boards mm-hmm. and whatnot. She was talking about how um, people have sort of misconstrued the the idea because she was saying that you know sometimes. You just have to be open to what God has planned for you and not try mm-hmm. to um, force things to happen. And by by making certain vision boards or having like overly specific, like I want this, this, that, you're actually mm-hmm. impeding mm-hmm. your own plan. And that uh, mm-hmm. part of, you know, being... I guess following your life's work is to just like let go of sort of the illusion of control because you don't really have control and you don't really know what's going on in life (laughs) and started to just let that go and to, um, let like God Mm -hmm. do what the plan is. (laughs) And I I thought that Mm -hmm. was interesting because I feel like people always emphasize, you know, the intentions and whatnot, but I thought it was, her intention was basically to just say, like, you know, um, may my actions and thoughts be in alignment with the divine plan. That was like her intention. Yeah. Being specific, like, I want a like $5 million house or whatever (laughs) whatever you want. So I think that uh, a lot of people could also listen to that because sometimes we get in our own way, of trying to force things to happen that aren't really supposed to happen.
1: Let me tell you, that is so good because I love Marianne Williamson. I love her book, A Return to Love. I think that's her book because I read a lot of those types of books. Um, but I totally agree with that. Um, vision is so important and it's something that, you know, I I, I was raised in a church, but I also i am a practicing... I, I'm not really what you would call like a Christian or whatever. I'm not religious. I do have that as my, you know, my foundation. But I also branch out into reading about Buddhism and spirituality and and all those other, you know, aspects of just being a human being. And knowing (laughs) that there's a God in whatever which way you want to call him who's looking out for you and knows you and loves you and wants the best for you. And so part of my journey to here had a lot to do with surrender. And I had to give up. It was one part of my life where God who spoke to me about, in order for me to give you anything, you first have to unlearn some stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff that you're doing and that you think that is not, that is not even in my will, that is not even in alignment with me, that is not even true. And you believe it. And so my thoughts had been, Creating this belief system in me, and I had all, and I was always reacting based on that because we all do that. We have our beliefs, you know, these, these are our thoughts, and they produce our actions based on that. And so, you know, I had a lot of anger in me and a lot of, you know, suppressed, you know, just very negative feelings. And I realized that all of those things were not working together for my good at all they were working against me because they kept me in a place of woe is me. And I was in depression really bad too. And I was always focusing on the, what wasn't working, what wasn't, and I wasn't doing this. And I was my worst enemy. Like haters are a piece of cake for me. The way that I talked to myself was horrible. Mm -hmm. Like people would not (laughs) even believe the way that I even thought of myself. And so much of my journey came through surrender, which sounds, it's so easy to do, but it's one of the hardest things to master in your life. And that's letting go and trusting that it will work itself out. Um, I was watching Dr. Strange, I'll never forget. And it finally clicked for me. And it's crazy because God administered to me through everything, nature, it could be anything, a person, a child, whatever. And so I'm watching Dr. Strange. And it's the part where he goes to the place where the person is supposed to heal him because he was a doctor, a neurosurgeon, making millions known for his one awards. You know, people just really admired him because he was so gifted at, you know, basically being a neurosurgeon. And he got into a very bad hate to spoil it to people, but he he got into a very (laughs) bad car accident, and because of that, he damaged his hands completely, Mm -hmm. and he had to go to this, like, remote island place somewhere, like, in Asia, East Asia somewhere, and meet this, like, sage, healer, spiritual person, and he gets there, and because he's so, like, I, you know, he's so westernized, you know, I need to hurry up, get healed, so I can go back and be the man again, you know, and she said something to him that completely, it set me free. And she said, you cannot beat a river into a, into submission. You have to surrender to its current and use its power as your own. And I stopped this. I'm like, hold up, wait a minute, wait And I just stopped and I was like, and God said to me, he said, that's me. That's what it's like. I'm a river. I'm a flow. I'm always going. But in order for you to truly experience my power, you have to surrender and use my power as your own. If you try to do what you're going to do and you going to go upstream, it's hard to fight that current. Eventually, you'll get tired and you will surrender, but you're exhausted, could drown. You know, you just like forget it and you give up one life. But it's one thing to know that this thing, this current, this power Oprah calls it the flow, you know, some people call it, you know, being in alignment, all of those things. But I truly believe that you can't have a vision board until you know who you are, until you surrender in a way that you're like, I'm ready for whatever, because sometimes our vision is short-sighted. We're only focused on materialism. I want to go here. (laughs) I want to wear this outfit. I wanna get these shoes. Like it's like girl that like You know, like why don't you ask God or ask universe or whatever for the opportunity to do things that can give you abundance of wealth where you can get, purchase, do whatever you want to do. You know, like why not ask God, clear my mind but I can think creatively enough and use my brain at its fullest capacity to be able to create. In ways that you said in Deuteronomy 8, 18 that you have promised me wealth. You promised my ancestors that. You said that in the Bible. And so I want to experience that. But I know in order for me to experience that, i got to be surrendered up enough to say, okay, I'm ready to do whatever it is you want me to do so that I can be able to not only buy things, but I can create more opportunities and have more experiences. Maybe even share my wealth with others via philanthropist, whatever that may be. So I just think it's so important that in order for you to have a vision board, you got to first ask God for vision to see. Because if you do believe biblically, you do you do remember that the um, the miracle that Jesus did the most was about vision. It was about sight. And it was people that could not see. It didn't you have to be physical blindness. It was that spiritually you are blind. You think that these things will make you happy. You think that this person will make you happy. They can't do that for you. They really can't. You'll be miserable for the rest of your life trying to make things for a person, make you feel a way about yourself that you don't feel on your own. That is really what God Diane von Furstenberg said is so good. She said, the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself because at the end of the day, you got to lay down with you more than anyone else. And so I just think it's so important that you know yourself and know yourself in a way that You can take off all the grave clothes. You can be naked with yourself and not necessarily in the physical, but in a very spiritually honest way and say, hey, like I realized for me, I had a lot of familial. I mean that like family that it was a it was a lie that we believe in our family and it was passed down from it it was it's more um, it's more from the women's side and it's been passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down. And it was something that I had to detach myself from in order for me to have this new awakening that I've had within the past few years. And now that I have this new awakening, I'm manifesting just like that. I mean, it's the craziest thing in the world. i realize now more than ever before that I was standing in my own way because my my vision was limited. My ideas were limited. I thought I knew everything. I didn't know nothing. That's when you find out wisdom. When you realize you knew nothing at all, you know, like I thought I knew stuff and it's like, you don't know a damn thing until you go through life and it throws you on your face, on your ass, and you don't have a clue how anything is going to work out. And you have no other option but to surrender. That's where I was. And in me surrendering, I found myself again. And I think... If it had not been for that, I wouldn't be so clear about the journey that I'm on now. Because one thing about the journey, when you get a a map and you're told to go in this direction, only you are going to be able to determine whether you go in that direction or not. Now, things can come, yes, and maybe detours or whatever, but you got to always be focused on that direction. Because the, the, the journey was given to you, not your mother, not your cousin, not your boss, not your, you know, it was given to you. So it's up to you whether or not you stay on course, not me, you know, not, oh, you, y'all, my family, see, it's you all fault because I didn't know. Mm. It's like you have to stay on that and you have to be clear about what you really, 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 really want. You may say you want things on your vision board, but really what you want is happiness. You really just want happiness. And unfortunately, because we live in a Westernized civilization, we equate things to equal happiness. And they don't. We, we realize, I think we're starting to realize, and maybe not, maybe not. But I know I'm starting to realize that while things are nice, because I grew up with a lot of stuff. I didn't have to ask for anything. I didn't. But I found out at a young age that those things don't make me happy. It was people. It was experiences. It was laughter. It was, you know, doing something new, adventure, seeing something I've never seen before. That's what made me happy. Having memories, like, oh yeah, remember when we did that? The shoes, the clothes, I can't even remember them no more. I can't even wear half the shit, <laughs> you know. Or I got in, or I got in debt for it, you know. You give it away. The car depreciates the value. Those things are nice, but they don't. You can't. They don't stay with you, you know. People do. Experiences do. So yeah, I know I took a long time to answer that, but yeah, I'm really passionate. I'm very passionate about that because that was a big part of my journey. It really, it really, and it still is.
0: No, I think you're totally right and what you said. You speak with such like a passion for storytelling, which is so refreshing because I could tell like this is what you're meant to do and you really love that and believe that and it reminds me of on Netflix, they have this like documentary series uh, with Joseph Campbell. Um, you know Joseph Campbell, the sugar? No, no, no. <laughs> he's <laughs> like a he um, is like a I don't know, like an anthropologist, I guess. He well, he's oh no, he no, 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 no. I know now, but Joseph Campbell is great. I feel like if you're a writer or just a human in general, you should read his <laughs> books because basically he studies he studied cultures and religions across the world and you know just found common themes in them and just a, oh wow and it, it was, he just is a very powerful storyteller and spe- he tells stories of different traditions from oh, around wow. the world and so his whole thing is about the hero's journey and how you know every man has to complete their sort of mythical journey and he he compares you know the story of you know jesus's journey to cultures that have similar stories but you know the name is changed and how these these Mm -hmm. stories are universal world yeah basically and um it's just a universal journey that all of us have to go to go through but he was saying how storytelling is essentially your culture, basically. And that's wow. how you get to know cultures is through the stories that they tell. And all cultures tell pretty much the same story. They just... They sure yeah, do. Yeah, they're just in different, have regional I mean, mm-hmm. obviously. but yeah. Um, I really highly recommend Joseph Campbell. He's written like many, many years. Or you can listen to his lectures on YouTube or even Spotify or watch the Netflix documentary. Because I think that we sort of, Especially with TV and movies, because they are a newer medium, I think people can sort of downplay like, well, you should read books. And I read a lot of books. Like I'm I'm all for reading books. Yeah. But I feel like TV and movies are can be just as powerful as reading a book. And Absolutely. these are this is the medium that in our current age that is the most popular medium if you want to reach people. So I don't yeah. think we shouldn't like downplay just cause something's on TV oh, no. or in a movie that it's like a less valid form of storytelling because I think it's still a story. It's just now we live in a techno- uh, technologically advanced age, or we can project those stories <laughs> visually. We don't just have to right. tell them around the campfire, write it down in a book, but what we, all we do have a story. So I think if you're a writer, it's your i think it should be everyone's responsibility to tell a story that's worth telling and to not just yeah. like waste your talent like i'm all like I write comedy, so obviously stuff is funny. I'm not saying everything has to be some like sad, <laughs> depressing story, but right right like, right you right. should have a point to it if you're going to you know if you have the gift and power to reach people. You should have a point to your words.
1: Yeah, we need laughter in this world, especially right now. And this, is like, guys, girl, yes, yes. So please bring on the comedy.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you. I feel like that was all. That was a great interview. I don't want to take too much of your time, and I'll <laughs> see you later. Have a good weekend and tomorrow, Friday. Okay, you
1: too, okay. girl. Bye. All right, bye.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. If you're a fan of the show, I have a really great offer for you. So I designed these logo pins based on the logo for my show. And I'm sending free pins out. That's right, free shipping, free everything. All you have to do is go to my website, stuffidontlike.net, and sign up for the mailing list. And I will send you a free pin. If for some reason... You don't want to give me your physical address. Maybe you're in the CIA. Maybe you know you live on a hippie commune in the woods and you don't even have an address that's cool too because you can still enter your email address and be added that way you won't receive a pin if I don't have your physical address but you will receive updates and exclusive content you'll be the first to know when I launch my ebook that's coming up called 30 Dope Reads which will just be a compilation of books that I love and would love for everyone to share and enjoy so yeah please go to the website stuff I don't like Dot net and sign up for that and also remember that the podcast is now being posted every other sunday not every sunday and once again thanks for listening this is ray your host signing off see you guys later bye or i won't see you i'll hear you or you'll hear me but whatever you know what it means <laughs> bye okay.